Hello, uh, Jeff Boone is my name. I'm from Denver, Colorado, and our focus today will be on the great mission of the Boone Heart Institute, which is the eradication of heart attack and stroke. Uh, this process is, is critical to the future of all of us, and I hope tonight to portray uh, an overview that will be most inspiring and educational to you in this process. So the eradication of heart disease and stroke. This disease is the biggest disease in the history of mankind. It far outstrips even COVID-19. The issues are ubiquitous and far reaching. And it's time we really focused not on fixing this disease or these diseases, but developing a strategy to literally eliminate them. Uh, one out of seven people in the history of the world has died of tuberculosis. We've survived the, the flu of World War I, the Black Plague. This disease is very stealthy and sneaky in its way, and most of our approaches have been too much too late. So today we want to spend uh, the next time together uh, overviewing and analyzing what we can do to accomplish this. It takes not only the medical community, but mostly you as a patient, you and your family seeking more uh, than is being optimized or talked about in the healthcare arena. It's easy to be five or 10 years ahead of what's happening in the real world if you truly want to eradicate this disease and, and focus on a great future. The four ways the, that heart disease and, and, and stroke are manifested are generally through these four entities. Plaque atherosclerosis, coronary cerebral atherosclerosis, those lead to a very untoward filling of the arteries with clogging tissue that's especially been accentuated by the issues related to COVID-19. The clotting of blood is accommodate with that plaque in causing both coronary and cerebral thrombosis. We won't spend a lot of time today on the muscle and the valves, which are involved in congestive heart failure, but those are very key issues as well as we uh, focus on a future free of cardiovascular uh, maladies. And then finally, the electricity, the cardiac arrhythmia. Now, most of my colleagues, most hospitals, most cardiologists are involved in these four horsemen are galloping. The best situation is to catch them before the, the corral door or the barn door is even open and optimizing a reversal of those process that don't require the advanced skills of the cardiovascular community to take care of these problems because they've been developing for 20 or 30 years before they finally show up. Looking inside the blood vessels is the key and actually imaging uh, the heart, the muscle, the valves, the electricity, both anatomically and physiologically, but ultimately looking inside the blood vessels is a very key situation. Now in America day, today, we have cardiovascular risk factors. And those are basically population-based statistics that are not much involved with you personally or in a very precise way. So the population data is quite good, but it never really comes at the fruit of the problem. At the core of the problem is actually visualizing the plaque. So there's really three different steps. The risk factor arena is cholesterol, blood pressure, blood sugar, body weight, smoking, and all those issues. Those are all critical. They don't really get at the disease. The people that actually have the disease need to be identified long before they show up in the hospitals in the emergency room and the angiogram suites. Now, even back in 1987, Glagoff and his team of experts in the cardiac pathology laboratories identified that this is a disease of the lumen of the blood vessel. Not the lumen of the blood vessel, but the wall of the blood vessel. Much like a donut, the disease is not in the hole, but in the cream-filled, cholesterol-filled wall of this structure. Now, actually, the body adjusts itself and enlarges and expands to accept plaque as it's growing inside the wall of the blood vessel. And it was found by Glagoff on cardiac autopsies in his series of studies in 1987. The artery can be up to 40% occluded 
before it even shows any luminal irregularities or any of the blockages that we've been come uh, to realize are important in the areas of stents and bypass. But ultimately, the paradox of this is that 80% uh, or so of all heart attacks and strokes occur not because of luminal irregularities or blockages, but because the plaque is growing in the wall. There needs to be then a concerted effort of determining that. But that was you know, almost uh, 35 years ago that that was discovered, and it should have changed in medicine. But the key issues of blockages or cardiovascular issues of chest pain and the problem with blockages in the arteries sort of led the process through the hospitals. And our focus became on restoring blood flow at the end of the line on the right side of this slide, when in fact the most life-saving occurs in the middle of the slides. So this kind of illustrates we've got primary prevention on the left and secondary prevention on the right, but actually in the middle of the slide is actually secondary prevention. You've already got the disease and you don't wait for it to cause a heart attack, stroke, or chest pain. So how do we find that? How do we adapt for that? Now, even on angiography in the real world where an angiogram is injected with contrast into the coronary arteries, we soon see in the, that the lumen is almost unaffected, but this disc-like rim at A, B, C, and D around the edge of the plaque is not even seen on angiogram, but the plaque is growing in the walls of the blood vessel. And therefore, even cardiac angiographies or those who are using stents are often overly concerned about the lumen when in fact this particular patient would have been shown and told that his coronary uh, angiography was totally normal when in fact he was very abnormal with 40% blockages but we have this God-given ability where the artery actually expanded to accommodate that 40% blockage. So how do we find those without waiting until it's too late? The artery, uh, if you cut it in half and spread it out, the internal lining is called the endothelium. And the endothelium is the lining, almost like the skin on the inside of your body, on the inside of your circulation. There are 60,000 miles of blood vessels involved in the heart. And as we move through the heart and blood vessels and the prevention of heart attack and stroke, we eventually will move toward the end of this lecture toward the prevention of dementia, which is going to be critical and certainly spearheaded by a vascular health that we're pursuing today. The intimal media thickness. Then you see fatty streaks, the lining of the artery beginning to be filled with these cholesterol deposits. And even if your cholesterol is normal, it can still make those deposits. That is, it's almost dangerous to have a normal cholesterol because half the people having heart attacks have a reasonable, normal, reasonably normal cholesterol. So the key issue is not cholesterol, blood pressure, blood sugar, even smoking or other entities, all those are critical, but the presence and the development of plaque, which then requires a secondary intervention, avoiding the tertiary problems of heart attack, stroke, and the things that are dealt with in the angiogram suites in the hospitals of America. And then as you see a progression of that process, white blood cells develop in the process of attacking this foreign cholesterol that's emerged into the lining of the artery, not glommed onto the center of the lumen, but inside the artery wall, permeating the endothelium, the lining of the artery. And then as the body deals with that, it begins to send a whole series of cytokines and white cells and infection fighting and inflammation developing chemicals that eventually engulf the cholesterol 
particles and develop a healing of those processes if possible as the body is fighting off this foreign body developing inside the wall of its arteries. And then you can see the Glagoff effect as the arteries expand as we go over to the right over the years as the cholesterol deposits are turning to calcium if we're lucky and then they're more stable at that part and then they develop into a final calcification that we can detect on CAT scans before the lumen is impinged at the end of the process of atherosclerosis. Now, too often our energies are focused on the process, opening an 85% blockage, when in fact death occurs in the middle of this slide as it moves toward the right, as plaque becomes vulnerable, the inside of the plaque becomes soft and gelatinous and inflamed, cholesterol particles being engulfed by white blood cells, and then eventually the roof of the plaque, which is this tough lining, that if you sliced those 60,000 miles of blood vessels in half and spread them out, they would cover a tennis court with these various bumps of plaque being in the middle of them. So we need to protect the lining of that artery. And then ultimately that involves plaque stabilization, inflammatory tests that would look at how do we control the burst of the volcano on the fourth bank from the left. And then eventually how do we control the clotting that may develop on top of that burst artery. Uh, so that's the process we need to be involved in. America has primarily been involved at either end of the entity. The rest of the world can't follow us. We must be involved in the middle of this process determining who has the disease, not who has high cholesterol or who needs an angiogram for chest pain, but in the middle of the millions of people that have this process need to be identified early. And now it's quite easy to do, but the system is very slow to adapt to this you as a patient need to adapt aggressively today. And then we found as we clean out those arteries, we probably are going to prevent dementia and Alzheimer's disease and all the variants of that that we'll talk about toward the end of the discussion. On the right is an artery, uh, the black hole being where the blood is flowing. And then as the artery expands, you see the various fibroblasts, the fibrosis, which are green and yellow, uh, the calcium, which is trying to solidify the plaque, and then the red hot volcanoes that are ready to burst like and then this becomes a, a brilliant assessment of a color code by volcano ibis angiogram where the angiography has inserted a catheter into the blood vessel and as we saw in those earlier circles from the cleveland clinic the missing of the plaque in the wall of the blood vessel without 360 ultrasound that analyzes the wall of the blood vessel and now we can color code that based on plaque densities how do we bring that to the real world of you and I before we get sick. And that's the key to the future is identifying plaque. And as soon as you found plaque, we then start treating it like we, we treat cancer. There are primary prevention efforts in cancer, trying to eat healthy and be healthy. But then when we find even a little bit of cancer, we get after it. We don't wait until it develops even further. We get after it right then. Whereas in cardiovascular disease, if we often see some of these entities like coronary calcium, which is determined by these high-speed CAT scans, picking up calcium deposits in these artery walls. We have often waited, and when we've seen these, we'll do a, a, a nuclear treadmill or a stress echo or even an angiogram, and then we'll tell a person they're fine if the blockage is only 30, 40, 50, 60%, when in fact they're not fine at all. They have the disease. They have this disease, which is 10 times more deadly for a woman than even breast cancer is, yet we tend to ignore it until the blockage is substantial enough to need the advanced interventional skills of a cardiologist or the efforts of a hospital. That is a secret for early death. We've got to change that and we can definitely do it quite easily and quite inexpensively.
But even before that, these tests involved uh, very expensive equipment, radiation, even though they're very well done and are now well less than sometimes even hundreds of dollars and certainly thousands of dollars to get this test done. The issue would be to find this disease even earlier. So we've got to find this early and eradicate it. We will eradicate then heart attack, stroke, and probably, as I said, kidney disease, peripheral disease, and the end game would likely be the protection of the arteries from this will, I think, prevent many types of dementias. We've got to find the mountain range because there are no volcanoes in the desert. We must find the mountain ranges, and that comes from imaging, must have coronary cardiovascular imaging. Then we treat the risk factors more aggressively. I don't know what to do with the cholesterol of a person unless I see a volcano, and now I know what to do. It can be as low as even zero, as some of the latest data will occur around our discussion of PCSK9 inhibitors, the new medicine that will eradicate this disease. So looking for these types of situations in you as a patient, sometimes you have to even be aggressive with your doctors to ask for these more aggressive tests. They're not dangerous at all, but the other things that we might look at is it's actually a good thing for you to look to spend money on outside of your insurance. Your insurance might be wonderful, but it's not interested in saving your life. It's not healthcare, it's cost-effective healthcare. Cost is way different than actually eradicating a disease. And oftentimes that effort or that change or that vision of moving from that model requires the patient to take charge just a little bit more of their health. The system is involved with your risk factors and taking care of you when you get sick. There's this huge, massive effort that needs to take place to discover these plaques and then to determine their vulnerability, causation, and then eradicate them. So avoiding this vulnerable plaque rupture would be quite appropriate. Now, about 20 years ago, we began pioneering the efforts of using very surfacey blood vessels. Those blood vessels close to the surface as an identifier that would save us from having to go to more drastic measures of expense, the need for hospital or highly successful and complicated clinics to image for this. The ultrasound of the blood vessels can be most beneficial, and that can be done in the carotid arteries. The carotid arteries, the two arteries on either side of your neck, close to the surface, amenable to imaging, no risk ultrasound imaging, very low cost and capable of being mass spread throughout the world. Many of the world's leaders on how to avoid having India, China, Russia, Brazil, and the other emerging countries to have to go through what we went through are using the detection of carotid plaque as maybe the cornerstone of the dividing highways that go toward treatment and no treatment. This is the disease. Cholesterol is not the disease. Blood pressure is not the disease. Blood sugar is not the disease, although they may be all causative factors, but the presence of plaque by whatever means necessary, this being the most affordable, cost-effective, and low-risk and mass possibilities uh, available in today's world. So you need to know, do you or don't you have carotid plaque? Then the other thing that you must do is embrace the abnormality. Now, almost every colleague I have here in Denver would call this a lesion that is not significant. Well, we need to redefine significant, and then we need to redefine aggressive care because there are things called the NASIC criteria of reading these carotid images, and they are based on velocities. As this artery gets narrower and narrower and more blocked, it will increase the velocity of the blood trying to get past it to go from the face to the brain. And 
if those arteries are narrow enough, then you have a positive scan that might need an intervention like a carotid endarterectomy or a surgery or a stent. But the key is that disease now developing puts a whole new category in the middle of this issue. You have atherosclerosis. So embrace this. Even don't let your doctors talk you out of acting like this is normal. Any plaque is like any cancer. It needs to be taken care of immediately. Now in our clinic, you can come and get this at the Boone Heart Institute, or we can even fly our team of experts to test you. But beyond that, one centimeter proximal to the dividing point where this artery divides and goes to the face and the brain is an area called the intimal media layer. And that layer is the breeding ground. It is the pavement that lines the 60,000 miles of your blood vessels. That pavement, much like the yellow brick road, I grew up in Kansas and that image always highlights to me that thickness of that pavement highlights your health. It's an emerging anatomic risk factor or biomarker that tells us who you are. That layer, that, this layer lines all of the arteries and needs to be the tender focus of our efforts. This layer, if it grows, you will die. If it shrinks, you will live. And that's the summary of all the studies that have been done in the last 20 or 30 years on this discussion. It is unequivocal that this layer is a measure of your genetics, your lifestyle, your sex, your age. All of those tend to make this layer thicker higher your cholesterol, the higher your blood pressure, and then the treating of all those makes it thinner. So that'll be our approach to go even beyond the detection of plaque, but to begin measuring things that we can adjust and improve upon. Now, even 20 years ago, the American Heart Association set a key precedent about this particular test. Now, in the red in the middle, the IMT, the intimal media thickness, that yellow brick road, the thick lining, on your artery is an independent predictor. Now, independent means nothing else predicts it. Cholesterol, sex, blood pressure, age, independent of everything else, even though all those are related, it's a predictor of TIA, small strokes, big strokes, and coronary disease. Yet that was 20 years ago, and still often it's not the standard of care. In my practice, this is a, almost like a vital sign. Every time we see you once a year, we will measure this to determine is this layer getting thicker or thinner, and that is your future. Both we know for heart attack and stroke, and now we're pretty sure this also has a lot to do with the future of the aging brain. So very exciting data. This now, 20 years later, is still being verified. And thank you, everybody. That's all the time we have for today. Be sure to visit us at AsherLongevity.com to learn more about the science, supplements, and strategies to live a much longer and much happier life. That's AsherLongevity.com. From now until we meet again, John Asher reminds us that looking after our health today gives us better hope for tomorrow. That's going to wrap it up for another edition of Alive right here on the Funnel Radio Network for listeners like you. you.